It's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest states these days. This representation of storm brewing amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today is a really fun and exciting episode. I had Basically, an entire month's worth of podcast, all scheduled, ready to roll. Got like eight done. Couldn't wait. Got like the whole schedule done. I was excited. And then my friend and um, you know, based on someone who's been on this podcast a lot, especially the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast, John Ranieri goes out and sets a world record for a half marathon on a treadmill. And I was like, I got to get this guy on as soon as possible. I mean, how often do or does a friend of yours set a you know, a world record. I mean, this is insanity. This man ran 63.09 on a treadmill. Not only that, he ran at 7,000 feet. So, I mean, it's hard to kind of really do the conversion from 7,000 feet to flatland when you're talking about a treadmill. I mean, when you're doing it on like, you know, if you were to run this completely outside, um, you know, on the roads of, of uh, Flagstaff where he lives, then, you know, the conversion would be very easy and everyone would be in agreement. When you do it on a treadmill, it's a little bit different, different, but if he did do it outside, it would basically convert to just under 60 minutes for the half. I mean, this is absolute insanity and I couldn't wait to get him on the podcast to talk all about that. Um, not only that though, because this was a very interesting spring for him. If you listen to our last episode on the Road to the Olympic Trials podcast back in January, we talk about how he ultimately made the decision not to run the trials because he wanted to put all of his eggs in the Boston Marathon basket. Well, Boston Marathon didn't happen. So I really want to talk to him about that um, that decision-making process and what it felt like for him uh, once that was canceled, knowing what he gave up by not running in the trials. So we talked all about that, the spring, and then ultimately, hey, got to talk about the world record, of course. So before we get into that episode, though, I do want to talk to you about a brand new initiative that I'm pushing out. So a lot of creative types, whether they're artists or musicians or podcasters, often use Patreon in a variety of different ways. In the past, I've used Patreon as basically a way of saying, hey, if you support the podcast, you can go on there and you can basically you know, support the podcast, uh, not philanthropically, but monetarily as just like a thank you, like, hey, this is something that's important to me and I appreciate you doing it. I know that's what I do for a number of podcast creators and other creative types that I follow. With that said, I've completely shelved that aspect of Patreon. I'm relaunching the entire thing. It's all brand new. I did it over the weekend. I've been planning it now for a couple months. It's basically going to be where I'm going to be putting a ton of exclusive Patreon-only content. It's not going to affect this podcast in any way. Okay, the same amount of episodes will still be free. It won't affect at all what you listen to. If you just listen to the normal free podcast that I put out twice a week, you will still get that. Same as no, same as always. No issues. This is just something above and beyond where if you're a Patreon subscriber, you can get in on it. So there's going to be three new levels. So there's the 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 5K tier. So for five bucks, you get two exclusive podcasts per month. So these are exclusive podcasts that you only get if you're on Patreon. They will feature uh, popular past guests, registered dietitians, running coaches, etc. Also, um, you can you know so that that's the main component for the five dollar level. Uh, at the ten dollar level, you get that, 
In addition to that, you get a monthly live Q&A, which we'll do, which will focus on training and coaching and personal development. So it'll be a live Q&A. In addition to that, you'll have a chance to get all Rambling Runner podcasts with the mid-roll ads removed. So there still might be an ad in the uh, in the intro, like I'm doing right now. I'm basically doing an ad for Patreon right now, right? So you still get that, but all the mid-roll ads would be removed at the $10 level. And lastly, the marathon level, uh, $26.2, in addition to all the other things that you get at the other levels, in addition to that, you also get a chance to um, basically place an ad on the podcast for a week uh, for a charity of your choosing. So I basically would hype up that charity uh, for you. I'll mention your name as well. I'll say, hey, you know, Jimmy John comes out and he wants to support breast cancer awareness. This is why. This is the impact. It's very important. And here's you know, a couple different ways that you can support breast cancer awareness or whichever way that you choose. Uh, I know for a lot of people that, you know, this community is so philanthropically driven. I figure that'd be a nice way of doing it. And in addition to that, we're going to have a quarterly Zoom call about basically the production side of this podcast. We're going to discuss the things that are working well, the things that need to be improved, planning, what, what are things that are coming on in the future that we can do to improve the podcast and all sorts of things. So I basically looked at the Patreon models of man, shoot, almost hundreds of different people who were doing it well. And these were the things that I saw that a lot of them were doing and things that I thought worked well for this show. So if you want more exclusive content from the Rambling Runner podcast, the best thing to do is go to patreon.com forward slash Rambling Runner. You can also just go right to the search bar and type it in and you'll find it no problem and you can take it from there. So thank you so much for listening to all of that. And now, here is my episode with John Ranieri. John, welcome back to the show. You're an old hand at this point. You're a reoccurring <laughs> guest on Road to the Olympic Trials. We've had you on so many times. Um, I'll tell you what, man, I couldn't wait to have you back on now because how often can somebody say that their friend just set a world record? First of all, congratulations, my man. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me on again. Um, it's always a pleasure. I'll tell you what, this has been just the craziest spring for, I mean, for everybody, right? But you know, yes. we were we have based a lot of our conversations around talking about this time of year. We basically all the way back to last June, we recorded our first Road to the Olympic Trials podcast in preparation for launch. We've been talking about this time for a year almost, and it's amazing it's pretty cool. how it's turned out. Uh you know what I mean? Like when you think back, like let me put this way. When you were getting ready to hop on that treadmill to run a half marathon <laughs> at just like an insane pace, you know, basically this is the fastest you've ever run a half marathon when you take into account altitude. And we'll dive into that later, sure. exactly what that means. But you basically ran the fastest you've ever run in your life and doing it on a treadmill, no less. Like it must have just been like a surreal moment. Like what was going through your head prior to uh, prior to launch? Um, I was trying not to think <laughs> because I knew I was going to be on that treadmill for about 63 minutes. Um, you know, I, I mean, we like, I mean, like pretty much going into this, we, we like, we kind of knew that, that like there was a lot of risk, um, you know, running 448 pace, no matter where the venue at 7,000 feet, it's a lot of exposure, especially at, I mean, like at threshold, which is around my half marathon right now. Um, so we knew it was going to be a lot of risk and we knew the day had to go almost perfectly for us to be controlled and for this to happen. And when you say the day has to go perfectly, what 
areas are you able to control on race day um, that kind of played a part in the whole like logistical, you know, fixing this whole thing up? Um, so, you know, just the nutrition aspect, probably about five days out, uh, continued hydration, um, you know, just kind of making sure that you're just relaxed, kind of like you're treating it just like a race effort, even though it was a time trial. Um, so really like the same factors that go into a race. Um, I treated this time trial like a race. Uh, it was, you know, it was, let's get after it from the start and let's see what we can do. So you've had a variety of different things going on over the past couple of weeks, and we can touch on those later. So, you know, while a lot of people have spent this quarantine, you know, and this is people of all levels, you know, very at varying degrees of um, of activity, right? You've had some people who've really attacked it, like yourself, other people who are like either in base building mode or, you know, like, or putting on the quarantine 15, so to speak. Um, sure. You've really gone out, uh, I know, along with your coach, James McCurdy, and really try to you know be as creative with this as possible. Um, with that said, let's just talk about how we how we got to this point. Because sure. in middle of January, we had a conversation for Road to the Olympic Trials podcast where you basically talked about what you were planning on moving forward. And that was in regards to the Olympic trials and the Boston Marathon, mm-hmm. what you were thinking and why. So if someone hasn't listened to this podcast, first of all, you should go back and listen to it. It's a good one. But if they haven't heard that, let's talk about what what your idea of this spring was going to be in the decision-making process you took to get there. Okay. So um, the big thing was probably coming off in New York. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was my best marathon I've ever had. Um, I finished 15th. Um, you know, we weren't quite as aggressive in that because – we just wanted to have a good result and, and we didn't want to take too much risk. Uh, so we catered our training to, well, okay, like we know everyone's going to be going to the Olympic trials. Um, that's usually what happens. Uh, and the trials this year was, was absolutely stacked. Um, so we thought, why not do the Boston Marathon? It would give us a good opportunity to be, you know, uh, I mean, I would like, I would say realistically, uh, top three American, um, even the opportunity to be top five in the race. Um, so we thought it would be a good opportunity for my career moving forward. Um, and a few other runners have done that in the past. Um, and it, it, and, you know, we, and we didn't really want to take, um, you know, a path that everyone was going to take. We, we, like, we wanted to be unique and we wanted to almost challenge ourselves in another way. And in my conversations with your coach, he had felt that, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. That if Atlanta, if, you, if the Olympic trials had been, say, one month later or New York had been one month earlier, then that might have changed the calculus of your decision. But that his feeling was he made it sound like the, the feeling of both of you was that you just weren't quite going to be at the level you needed to be uh, by the time Atlanta rolled around. Yeah, I, I, I mean, just, you know, really anyone in my uh, uh, position is, you know, like they're going to want to make a team. Um, there, there was about probably 25 or 30 people that wanted to make a team. I'm, I'm sure you could even say more, um, on that day. So, um, I think we, like, we were probably stuck in some middle ground there to where, like, we knew we were very fit, but we weren't at that next level yet. And, 
we thought we had a really good chance at Boston just just to uh, you know kind of prove that you know we have a lot more to accomplish over the marathon. All right. So once that decision is made, and that's you know, first of all, that decision process obviously it's 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 a gamble, right? It's a gamble either way, and you don't know what's going to happen until you go to go through the steps, right? No matter which choice you choose. So once um, the trials came around, what was that experience like for you? as being just someone who's watching the trials and experience it and experiencing, Oh, uh, you know, the, the race from the, from the stands in real time. Um, it was a bit surreal. Cause I was like, Oh, you know, wow. I mean, like this is a race that I could have run, um, you know, like I could have been there and, and I could have raced it. So I, I, I mean, like there was a feeling of kind of missing out, but in the back of my mind, I knew that the decision we made was the right one at the time. So post Atlanta, it wasn't that long after when all of a sudden, you know, the, the idea that COVID-19 was going to start changing things, um, you know, started really percolating, right? It was really sure. about two weeks after that when it started to become a reality um, for everybody in terms of this is going to have some, some lasting change for all of us. When did it start to become a reality for you that Boston might not happen, not just for the masses, but for even the elites like yourself? I would say probably after the New York City half marathon got canceled. Um, I was all set. I was ready to fly out. And that Tuesday, they canceled it. Um, and the New York City half marathon is quite a feat. You know, they have thousands of people running it. Um, I mean, like it's, you know, I mean, like it's set up in a major city. It runs across, I believe, all the boroughs. Nope. Sorry. Like it runs across like four boroughs. Um, so I, I mean, when I knew that was canceled, I, I like, I didn't really feel too comfortable that Boston was going to happen on that day. And once Boston was canceled, what was it like for you coming to grips with the fact that you had these two races you were choosing between, and then ultimately you weren't able to run in either. Of them? It like, it was like almost like, you know, it's, I mean, like I would compare it to you, you know, I mean, like you have a team that, that is almost like slated to win every time and, and they happen to lose to the worst team in the league. And it, it happens by chance on that day. I, I think, uh, like that's how I, I mean, like I almost felt cause I'm like, you know, I mean like this is a risky bet, but, um, you know, I guess normally people who make this decision are able to race Boston, uh, so I think that was really interesting because we made all the right decisions, but it just, everything was out of our control. Right. I mean, it really comes down to how mentally tough are you in the moment to kind of handle that? Because obviously none of these, you know, none of these uh, things that ultimately ended up happening were in your control, nor were they even, I mean, these are legitimate black swan, this is a legitimate black swan event. Exactly. Right? There's yeah. no way for you exactly. to predict this. With that said, it doesn't change the fact that you can feel, you, know, you can feel how you feel, right? Yeah. I'm sure you were angry and upset and you know, like, oh my gosh, what, what has happened here? Like all of my dreams are now gone for what I'd hoped this spring and, and winter would be. And how quickly were you, able to deal with those emotions and thoughts and the back and forth that can happen in your head 
and move forward with some semblance of a plan and a path that you wanted to go down? So it, like, it took about three or four days. Um, I, I mean, I remember, like, I like remember, like, I think it was, a, like, I think it was canceled on a Friday or Saturday. I'm not sure it was either one. Um, and I remember just, just kind of being in a cloud for a couple of days, just, you know, um, kind of questioning all the decisions that I had made. Um, and, and, and I remember talking to James and I was like, Hey man, I just need a few days just to, you know, take off from running, just to do some other stuff, focus, you know, I mean, like maybe on some other aspects of my mind and, you know, just focus on some other aspects of my world. Um, and he was totally okay with that. He's like, look, you know, I understand. And I mean, my athletes were dealing with the same thing. So I, I completely understand. I mean, like I completely understand where they were coming from and James understood where I was coming from. Um, so like it took about three days and then, um, you know, I, I just really just jumped right back into running. We, I mean, we had about two, maybe 60 mile weeks because of that. Uh, but I think it was a blessing in disguise because it allowed me to be refreshed. Um, and, you know, just have a new, like reorganized mindset, uh, you know, just really just like going into the spring. And you had had certain goals in 2019 and beginning of 2020 laid out for a long time. When did you start creating new goals this spring? You know, it was interesting because we, we had so much fitness and we had so much like strength. Um, I mean, we, I mean, I was running the most mileage I've ever run in a 10 week block. I averaged like 110 miles. Um, I had marathon runs that were, you know, what used to be home run workouts were just, you know, I guess like base hits, if you will. Um, and I mean, I ran a, I mean, I ran a 28, 40 something 10 K solo in Phoenix off of marathon training in a pretty heavy mileage week. So we knew we were really fit. It was just like, okay, well, how do we transition this fitness? So, um, you know, we thought, hey, like, maybe why not run some of the faster work? So uh, my first workout back, I remember, was 16 by 400. And I remember I was just easing back in. So I wasn't really wearing flats. I was wearing trainers. And, um, you know, like James was like, okay, like, let's hit maybe 66 to 67 at the end you know, let's maybe start around 69 to 70. So we're talking about 436 to 440 pace. And we had 75 seconds jog in between. And I remember, um, you know, I started at 6970, went down to 68 to 69, and then went down a little bit further, a little bit further. And then, you know, by the end, I was closing in, you know, 58 to 60 for the last two. And I thought to myself, I'm like, hey, like, maybe we should take a crack at running some of the shorter distances. I feel like this is the perfect time. You know, there's no marathon coming up sometime soon. So um, we gave it a couple more workouts. We had another really, really good workout um, up at 7,200 feet. Um, I ended up running four miles, very, like very controlled at 445 pace. And I was in shock. I was like, this is what I ran for a four mile race in January. Um, and I did it at 7,000 feet. So we knew we were really fit and, James said to me, um, and this is really not verbatim, but he, he, I mean, like, um, he like essentially said, well, you know, like we should use this fitness, like we should do some time trials and, you know, I guess like the ball started rolling from there. Yeah. And then from there, you guys talk about time trials that you guys have been one of the more aggressive duos from a spring quarantine yes. racing perspective that yes. we have. 
Um, that's for sure. So let's talk about it because you you you've done a bevy of things at this point. Where obviously we'll finish off with this half marathon world sure. record, which is you know, which is just absolutely incredible. I think it's important to set the stage. What was the order of events and how did they? Go? Okay, so um, after running four miles at four forty five pace, and you know, just I mean, doing it with relative ease, uh, which surprised I mean, like that surprised the hell out of me. Um, we're like, wow, we're in really good shape for a 10 K let's give this a crack. Um, so that I think the 10 K was on April, April 16th or April 17th. Like I like had to actually look back at the exact date, but that was the first event we did. So it was right before the first McCurdy mile. Um, and we set it up right outside of my apartment complex. I have an 845 to 850 meter loop, depending on how you run it and the tangents. Um, and we measured it out and we ran a 10 K, uh, and we had the start and we had the finish marked. Um, and it was brilliant, man. We, it was, it was like, so cool. Like we had a lot of people involved, like, uh, uh, Michael Crouch was actually filming. He took some pictures. He actually had a drone that he was flying above us, which was awesome. And, uh, Ryan Carpenter was in front of me and he was biking. So that was really cool having someone with me, um, so that was the first one. Um, the second event was the McCurdy mile and that was the first McCurdy mile, I believe. So it, like, it was that weekend and we knew what kind of fitness we were in. Uh, but again, I mean, Matt, I mean, I'm sure that you've had athletes go out too fast in the mile, correct? Yeah. Yeah. As, as well as, as well as myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, James is like, okay, like, I mean, you're very like strong. We don't know how sharp you are. So like, Let's just give it a go. Um, I really want you to be a little bit conservative at the start. Well, that went out the window very fast. Um, opened up with a 59 second 400, then went 62. And then I went uh, about 64, 64. So ended up running a 409 of, of a very, very difficult way. Um, so I think that was more eye opening to me because I was able to run that fast and run it so stupid. Um, <laughs> Well, let's talk, let's talk about the conversion here too, because I think this is an important piece to this sure, entire sure. conversation. So you run, you run, you run this 409 mile. What does running this at 7,000 feet mean per mile? You know, not only at, at, at various paces, like yeah, kind of walk um, me through the science here so that the, the listeners can understand. So as, well. as the distance goes up and the more exposure that you have to a certain effort, um, the conversion factor is going to be a little bit larger. So if you go off the NCAA conversion factor for a mile, it's about nine point something seconds. Um, so, uh, I mean, we figure on the roads at sea level, it, it would, it would be worth anywhere from a 359 to a four flat. Okay. And let me also say too, uh, these time trials are just time trials. I don't count them as my official PRs. They're just unofficial. Like we're going to go out here and, and they're almost just like a space in their own. Um, and I think that's really important to acknowledge because, um, you know, running by yourself is much different than running in a race. Right. I mean, especially Correct. the mile, right? And there's, there's so many different ways of doing this. You have some people who run a mile with you know, two rabbits and it'll be the fastest thing they could ever put together. And then you also have, you know, the version of the mile that we saw at the last Olympics, the Centrovitz one, where they literally ran the first 800 meters slower than yes. the marathon. Yes. Their first yes. Yes. Um, so, yeah, I mean, like the mile was so much fun, man, that I mean, what stood out to me about that time trial was that everyone else was doing it. I like I had 50 athletes running the mile that weekend. 
it like it was incredible so not only you know like i mean like i mean like i was happy about my result whether or not i really executed correctly but i had 50 other people to check in with and be like hey like how did it go like and everyone had a blast you know regardless of the result they thought it was something new challenging and they embraced it pretty well absolutely all right so you have this two of you have this 10k yep. that goes well you have this wonky, yes. wonky mile which shoot you run around four minute mile pace um, yeah. with the conversion which obviously you're like all right like i certainly wasn't training for a mile but this went out well and then what's the next step because it was, it was great how you guys teamed up uh with uh with the, with the boulder yeah. Colorado. uh boulder track club so it was fantastic um i ran against uh uh david goodman um so uh, David Goodman, like in his own right, is is a fantastic runner. He's run 831 for the steeple, so he's pretty freaking legit. Um, and it was so cool because we set this thing up as like a head-to-head. We weren't focused on conversions. We were just focused on, okay, who would have the fastest time coming out of the day? Um, and it was great because we were able to market this thing on our end, and they were able to market this thing on their end. Uh, and, and it, and it was just so cool. It, it, it was, it was honestly one of the coolest events that I've been a part of because, um, everyone was just so positive about it. And like, we both walked away with pretty freaking awesome altitude PRs. So how does it work? Obviously you guys are not in the same city. So does someone run so, first? Did you guys run at the same time? Yeah. So we ran later? at the same time and we had live Instagram on. So they started the live Instagram feed and James hopped onto that. So they were commentating back and forth um, while I was running and while David was running. Um, and we were kind of yelling out splits and we, you know, they had kilometers marked out. We had miles, we had certain points to where we updated our splits. Um, but it was really interesting because I could hear what David was running. So that was giving me a little bit of motivation too. And I'm sure David could hear what James was saying. Um so, I mean, it was like, it was like really interesting. Uh, it was like, if you look at it, it's kind of a complicated concept because you're like, you're juggling so many things all at once. Uh, but it like, it was like super unique, man. It was a lot of fun. That is wild. And then at what point in this process did the half marathon treadmill run enter your, um, not until half to the 5k. Um, so I got a text from my agent, uh, Josh Cox and, um, he, he, you know, just like texting me this crazy idea. He's just like, Hey, what do you think about a half marathon on a treadmill? And I'm just like, okay, you know, like, I'll see what James thinks. Um, and you know, like at first we, like, we were a little skeptical because we like, we were doing all this speed work. Right. And we knew we, like, we were actually like really, really strong at this point. We just ran a 1406 up at 7,000 feet. Um, and we knew like we were fit, but we didn't, you know, I like, I mean, like, I think when you're running all these shorter distances, there's a gap between that and the half marathon. So we knew there was some risk involved, if that makes sense. And risk in that, like you're basically going to be doing this instead of something else or the risk of trying it and making it and basically it not working. Out um, no, like I think more the risk of not being too specific for training for the half marathon. Um, we knew we were very, very fit and we were very strong, but, um, we didn't really have any specific half marathon work under our belt. Like we had a few workouts, like we had a 10 K tempo at like 30, 30 or 30, 40. And we had another one at 30, 50. Um, and we had that four mile at 445 pace, but really, um, we, you know, like we didn't have a whole lot of half marathon work. If we compared this to what, you know, 
we did leading up to the New York uh, City Half Marathon in 2019, we did a lot more threshold. We did a lot more marathon the threshold work. So um, we knew there was risk kind of in that facet. And this was part of a larger effort, right? So it was correct. Yeah. The risk was like, all right, like, well, we'll just, we'll just postpone it a month and then we'll be right. Uh, Tyler Andrews organized it. It's called the, uh, uh, Chosky challenge. And it was just supposed to be a day for treadmill world records. So you had, um, a bunch of heavy hitters, uh, Tyler Andrews, Sarah Hall, Mike Wardian, Max King. Um, you know, I mean, you, you can essentially just, uh, uh, go down the list. Um, and you know, he had it planned to where they would run certain distances on the treadmill. So for example, Tyler Andrews, who just set the, the, uh, 50 K world record on the treadmill, um, also set the marathon world record on the treadmill. I think he came through in 217 and ran a 242 56. Um, he organized this whole thing. So, um, he made sure everything was all set. Uh, we made sure like the calibration was perfect on the treadmill. Um, we had a lot of stipulations going into this and we wanted to, and, and I guess it, you know, it, it's, it's, I guess as a large part, I guess Tyler wanted to make this as legitimate as possible. And, and it turned out to be a home run. It sure did. And on your end, what was the process like for you and James trying to figure out ex- where exactly you were going to do this? I mean, obviously you ended up basically yes, yeah. on, his, yeah. on his treadmill, but, Again, I'm assuming at some level you're probably looking at this like, "Hey, are we sure that that's the best option?" Like, we don't live that far away from going, you know, below the seven thousand foot line. You know, what was the process like for you guys trying to figure out the best location to do this on the most consistent? Okay, um, so we were working with the knowns and the unknowns. There were a lot of unknowns. Um, we really wanted to do this in Phoenix, but we could not find a gym. Um, you know. There's certain factors, and and again, I mean, there's certain factors that go into getting a world record on a treadmill. Um, it, you know, you need multiple cameras. We had multiple cameras on this. We had multiple witnesses in the room. Um, you know, you can't touch the handrails. Uh, you know, you need to film it. Like I said, um, it, I mean, like there's just so many things that go into it that that it would have been very complicated doing it at a gym with a 60 minute time limit um, on the treadmill. Um, so, oh, yeah, I didn't even yeah. think about so, that. So, you know, I mean, there may be a time limit on a treadmill. Um, you know, we want the right surface. We want that treadmill to be calibrated. How do we know it's going to be calibrated? Um, I mean, I remember James was, uh, telling me that he talked to like two or three gym owners and, uh, their treadmill didn't go past 12 miles per hour. So it, it, it was, it, so it's really a unique situation, um, to where, we felt really comfortable in Flagstaff um, and it was a crazy idea to do it here, but we felt comfortable because James has a Peloton that goes 12.5 miles per hour, 12.5 miles per hour, even with the ramp up is 63.08 or, you know, like 63.09, like, I guess what, what, I guess like whatever I ran on that. Um, but like the point is that um, 12 miles per hour for the full time is 63 minutes, Right. Um, so we knew that was underneath the record and, and, you know, we knew it was in reach. So why not try it up here? Um, and we thought we had more risk going down the Phoenix and facing the unknowns as opposed to being in a known spot, um, 
I've worked out on his treadmill before. I know how it feels. Um, his treadmill is dead on accurate. Uh, so we like, we kind of figured this would be the best spot for us to do it. All right. So leading into it, did you start practicing on the treadmill or is this already something that you, uh, work with on occasion, just in the turn, just in the course of your normal training? Um, so I don't normally run on a treadmill, but we did two workouts before this in the treadmill. We actually went to a local gym here in Flagstaff and we, and, um, I guess we were told that it went up to 14 miles per hour, but it didn't. Um, it only went up to 12. So we did a workout there. Um, and then we did a workout earlier last week. I, I, like, I think it was on Tuesday. Like, I think it was on Tuesday. I did three by mile at 448, which was the pacing we needed. Uh, with a little bit of jog in between. So we only did about two or three runs in the treadmill to get used to it. Got it. And for you, what is the difference on in terms of your explosion and how your stride feels comparing running on a treadmill and running you know, outside on a flat ground? You know, I don't really know if I could accurately answer that because I don't run on a treadmill enough. But I'll tell you this. It's really nice running on a treadmill um, that's perfectly calibrated like this one was and um just the type of surface that you have on a peloton is very nice also so um it feels very much like you're running on ground just because um it's a nice treadmill um so that really helped out but i think one of the biggest differences is that you're like you're using your muscles in a different way on the treadmill than than like you would just if you were running outside um and that affects you a little bit differently whether it's positively or negatively I know for a fact that there's resistance on a treadmill, but you are sitting on a hot motor and, and it becomes pretty humid over time as well. So I think there's little differences here and there, but more so just in how your legs hit the ground and how you uh, use just the important muscles that you need to run. Right. Cause and the other difference is that you're not, you know, in a literal sense, propelling exactly. yourself forward. You're kind of just keeping pace with the ground underneath and- you. And how did that, that how did that difference affect your shoe selection it really didn't honestly i mean i didn't really think about my shoe selection that much i just went with the next percents i'm very comfortable running in those um they don't beat up my calves the day after um i like the pop in them um and they're very comfortable to do a time trial or racing um but you know one thing that is is also a, a really big difference that i should mention is that this is an event in its own atmosphere like um i mean i would never compare this to a time on the roads just because road running is so different and it's so unique compared to treadmill running as treadmill running is unique and different compared to road running so it's 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 his own little atmosphere it's his own little bubble right so i think that's the cool part about it like you're not going around turns you're not making you know like race time decisions in terms of you know okay do i kick now or do i go now or do i pick up the speed it's um I just literally set this thing to max speed and I just zoned out the entire time trying to find my happy place. All right. Let's talk about that happy place because while you're, you know, doing this mental gymnastics of not trying to look ahead, trying to stay in the zone, it's not as if you're going out for a 63 minute run and they're surrounding during this, you know, you live in a very picturesque place and you can just zone out and do your thing. And you know, the, the scenery around you is ideal for that. You're literally in a room 
you know, with, you know, a handful of other people, one of which is the most talkative person <laughs> oh my I've God, ever met yeah. in my life. Yeah. And your coach, James McCurdy. So what was the situation like in terms of managing that garage, basically, so that it was the ideal situation for you to... So for me, I just tuned everyone out um, unless I asked for some water or I asked for a towel or I asked for like an ice cube to rub on myself. Um, I just wanted to be as smooth and as, and as perfect as possible as I could. Um, I, I really like, I view this as a challenge that I could just go to a place that I've never gone before. Like you can say all you want about the conversion from, from running on a treadmill to actually going outside. But, um, you're still being prepared to 440. I mean, you're like still being uh, propelled to 448 pace. And that's something that, that can't be ignored. And like, for me, I've, I've never been there before. So it was a very unique feeling. It was like, I was, it was a very hard threshold, but there were some points that were pretty hard. And it was just like dialing in and just having gut checks, checking my breathing, you know, making sure I'm controlled. Um, I closed my eyes a few times, just kind of get myself in a nice place, um, which was kind of risky if you think about it. Cause you know, um, that thing's moving pretty quick. I could have been just, you know, like flown out the back end. Um, but yeah, um, it, it was, it was about finding my zone and finding my place and being in the moment. Like, like I told this to myself a lot. I was like, I was like, where do you want to be after this event's over? Do you want to be 10 miles in and stopping or do you want to finish this damn thing? And I thought to myself, I, I really want to get to that place where I'm completely uncomfortable. It hurts, but I'm thriving. Um, and, and I'm just relishing in that moment. And that for me was my big motivation and having people around me, um, just supporting me, um, just allowed me to get there because I knew there was a lot of just, I don't know, like I knew there were like there, like there was a lot of positive vibes in the room and, and like everyone was super stoked to be there. So you're describing your mindset in almost like a Zen monk kind of way in terms of, okay, like I want to be relaxed. I want to be in the zone. And then you're talking about dealing with that discomfort again, in a very internalized dealing with it, accept it and move forward mm -hmm. kind of fashion. Is that how it turned out for you? Or were you, you know, looking for external stimuli, either positive or negative, you know, by negative, I mean like, okay, like, you know, I need to run angry here. I need to run with revenge or like, you know, I'm going to, you know, how, how dare they cancel the Boston marathon? I'm going to show those people like, you know, did, were you able to keep that Zen mindset or no, did you go to other I was able to keep that Zen race? mindset. Um, I, I mean, I've learned to run with gratitude now. I like, I used to run with a lot of other motivations on my mind, but I mean, I run with gratitude for the people I have in my corner, for, for you know, everyone in my life that has positively affected me. Um, you know, just just for everyone in my Flagstaff family, for having the best freaking agent in the world, for having the best coach in the world. Like that for me is like number one, right? So, I'm. I mean, at that point, I'm calm. I'm. I mean, I'm ready to go. And so it was like it was actually really funny because everyone was going crazy at like 11 miles, and they're like, holy. John's going to do this. And, and, and like, they're all yelling and I just put my finger up my mouth. I'm like, Shh, like, let me get to my place. I, I like, I want to be here. Like I want to relish in this moment. Like I want to make sure that 
that whatever I'm feeling now, how, like, however painful it is, I want to make sure I'm feeling it. And I want to make sure that, 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 you know, like, I mean, like, I know what this feels like when I look back on it. And when you're able to do that, you're hitting 13 miles. It's 0.1 left at that point. Obviously it's just a fait accompli that you're going to get there. What's that emotion like? I mean, you were on the cusp of doing something that very few people have ever done in any capacity in any yeah. activity. Yeah, it was kind of surreal. Like I'm still trying to just like pull a grasp on it. Honestly, um, it, it it was it was so cool and it was so surreal and I was so happy to be a part of the event and I was and you know I was I was just like thoughts of just all right like let's finish this thing were you know very much going through my mind but like what was also going through our minds, like, we're like, wow, we did this. This was this crazy idea that me and James thought about that, you know, I mean, it, that like, Hey, like, why not do this at 7,000 feet? And we knew there was a risk that, that we may not finish. We knew that was like, there was a risk that we may blow up. Um, but we didn't. And that was, and that was, and that was beautiful for me, man. Like, like I, I mean, like I want to create art when I'm running. I want to create something beautiful. I want to like just express myself that way. And that for me, getting to that place where I, like, I'm able to create greatness um, has been one of the biggest mindset shifts for me in the past year. It's like, it's just been a game changer. Were you able to access that mindset even more so because there, was, there wasn't a, a true comp- you know, competition element to this endeavor? I mean, you were the only one there. Yeah, you were the um, only one competing. I mean, like, I think it maybe helped, um, but I think just, just, just for being on a treadmill that long, it, like, like it was almost necessary because you don't want your mind to be too engaged because then you realize you have 50 minutes ago or 45 minutes ago. Um, and when you're running at that clip, it's like, wow, that's like, that's a lot left. Right. Um, so for me, I, I don't like, like, I think I brought the, the same mindset that I wouldn't erase, but I had no pressure to make a move or anything like that. I just had to stay dialed in that. That was about it. That's probably the biggest difference. And once you were done, I have visions of like, someone who's like experienced some sort of hard liquor for the first time and puked their guts out and then swears they'll never touch that stuff again. Or maybe someone has the same experience with food poisoning and like, I will never have pulled pork again after that night. Um, I say that one because that actually happened to me. Um, However, is is that your your experience now with the treadmill? Like, when's the next time you're going to be hopping on another one of those suckers? You know what? I enjoyed this experience in a very sadistic way. Like it, like for me, because something special happened, like, I think I appreciate it that much more. Um, like, I think I've realized as I progressed in the sport is, is, is that worthwhile things are not going to come easy and they're not going to just fall on your lap and you're just not going to get them. You, you, you need to work for them. So when you're at that point and you're accomplishing something like I mean, like to me, even if this is just on a treadmill, this is the coolest thing I've ever done running wise and the best place I've ever been. I mean, you're like, you're accomplishing something pretty cool. Like, like that to me reserves a special place in my heart. Um, and I don't know, maybe others would think, you know, like would think differently, but, um, it, 
it like it was something really cool and and you know and i don't have any ill will towards you know uh any uh uh treadmill at this point right now <laughs> there you go you hear that peloton sponsor the guy he just had a world record um so just with the logistical side of the world record stuff what has to happen if anything to make it I guess, like the final word, like who is the barometer of truth when it comes to like whether or not whether or not this is officially um, a world record? So, I mean, like that's a good question because it is a world record, but there are different barometers for world records. So, I guess, like pretty much, just like what we had to do was we had to calibrate the treadmill. So we like we had to check if it was accurate, and it was accurate. It was maybe even a little long, if anything else. Um, you know, we did that two ways. Uh, let's see, we measured it with a rope and checked the revolutions, compared the time over the red distance. That was one way. The second way was that we set the pace again and we checked the distance with a wheel. So we did that. So those were the two things we had to do. We made sure the floor was level, which it was. It was completely flat. Um, and there's also uh, like a rule that you can't touch the handrails. Like while you're doing it, like you can pick up the speed, but you just can't touch the handrails. And that was like what I was most nervous about because I've seen people do it and it DQs them from, from like ever getting a world record. Right. So last thing before yeah. we get going, thank you so much for your time. It's been so much fun like connecting with you. Shoot, like almost like 10 times over the past year for these kinds of conversations. Before we get going, you, know, you guys have been so creative with how you mm-hmm. have gone through the spring. Um, so far, do you even you know, whether or not you can announce it or not, do you guys have any idea of what you're going to be doing moving forward in 2020? We're kind of scratching our heads like everyone else. Um, We know that we have a lot of opportunities, uh, you know, like ahead of us. Um, Opportunities as in we can make our own opportunities. We could embrace our own challenges. We can make our own challenges. Um, But, um, you know, like we're just going to do what makes sense for us. Um, And, in terms of races, yeah, that's that's very up in the air right now. So we're not too sure, but um, you know, I guess we're figuring that out as we go. Yeah, and things are changing so quickly. Even like the WHO, even today, like there was like on CNBC, I was reading this article. The WHO announces that if you're asymptomatic, you can't like it's, it's extremely rare for for someone who's who has COVID nineteen who's asymptomatic to spread it to another person. And you're like, well, if that's true, like we're going to be back to normal like way sooner than we thought you know what i mean it's like so what news are we going to hear about tomorrow like is it going to be a reversal or are we going to continue down this course like i feel like anything can change spontaneity certainly is going to be the key for so many people who like yourself i mean obviously you 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 coach a lot of amateur Mm -hmm. runners and that's i'm assuming your primarily primary source of revenue but you're a pro and you know you want to you want to embrace being a pro runner and, and running these races and compete against the best in the world. And I think everyone who like myself and who's listening to this show, who's a fan of the sport, can't wait to see it as well. So John, again, congratulations, my yeah, man. Sure, thank you for absolutely. coming on the show to talk all about. Um, thank you, Matt. Um, thank you for having me on. John, thank you so much for coming on the show, man. This was so much fun. I, I mean, following this from afar, was a blast. I was so happy for him that he was able to get it done. He's just someone who was, who approaches sport and high level achievement in such a different way than I do. You know, it's that whole Zen approach to it is, um, 
you know, it's just unique to me. It's certainly not the way that I've literally approached anything in my life, never mind high level athletics. And uh, I can't get enough talking to him about it. That's for sure. Thank you so much for Prevenex for sponsoring the show. As always, they sponsor every episode. Go check out Prevenex, man. What are you waiting for? Go to Prevenex.com. Use code RUNNER15 to save 15% on your first order. In addition, thank you for listening to my spiel about Patreon. So many people love this show, and it fills me with gratitude to know that you do. And here is a way that if you want more access and more things, you got it. Go to patreon.com forward slash rambling runner, and it's all there. Thank you so much for listening, and happy running. This has been a production of Rambling Runner Podcast. This podcast is produced by David Margetti of InPost Media. Thank you to Meta P for the music. His song, Righteous Path, featuring Rex Mayhem and Chip Fu, is produced by Symphonic Bang. Yeah. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest of states these days. This representation of storm brewing, I'm made that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got.